0: So, um, if you're in this room, the topic for this breakout is um, contentment in seasons of change. And um, everybody in this room, we're not we're not obviously going to be able to talk about every single change that all of us are going through. But for most of us, we've um, been going through a lot of changes in life. We have um, experienced different things over the past year and... For myself, a year ago, this last week, I was alone in Italy. And it was, uh, for me, the hardest, probably one of the hardest weeks of my entire life. Because my husband had left back to America uh, in March to start a new job. And um, we had the pandemic, and um, we were locked. So when you guys were complaining about... Oh, we can't sit on the beach. We can only walk on the beach. I, I was kind of like in my flesh reading face, facebook, flesh book, whatever. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, we were locked. Okay. We were not allowed out of our home. We were not allowed to see anybody. The only thing we were allowed to do is to go 600 feet from our house. Uh, we had to wear the gloves, we had to wear the mask, we had to um, sign declarations and carry a piece of paper with us if we went to the grocer. You could only go to your local grocer, and my, my village was a village. It was small, if you've been there, um, you know. Um, and you could go to the post and pay your bills, and that was all you were allowed to do. And so... um at the end of April, we were waiting for a new proclamation from our prime minister to tell us, you know, that the um, lockdowns are going to ease up and things are going to get better for us. And instead, they got worse. <laughs> and um, I just went through a horrible, horrible time of depression, of loneliness, of fear, of anger. A lot of different things I was going through because I'm, um, we're, we were made, we were created to be relational and there was no relationship. You know, there was nobody to hug, there was nobody to kiss, there was nobody to, to touch or really even to talk to, even though there was Facebook or FaceTime or whatever. Um, you know, there were those things, but you really understand the, um, the need for human, for human companionship and human relationship. And so, um, just you know, preparing my heart for this week um, was a little bit difficult, to be honest, just because of, of the whole change thing, you know, and changing of 19 years of living in one place and and and, and adapting, because that's what you want to do when you move to a different country. You want to adapt to that culture. And then to come back to your own culture... But to feel like a foreigner, and to feel like you're you're trying to weave in and, and and find out where your crevice is, where you fit in in your own country, in your own language, and and I get mixed up, you know. That the change is really good, I'm thankful, but um, you know, there's. There's complaining and and there is not understanding. No matter, even when the changes are good, there can be a lot of questions that we have of the Lord. There can be a lot of frustration. And so I wanted to um, go to Philippians 4, where Paul is speaking to us in verses 11 and 12. And here Paul tells us, Not that I speak in regard to need, For I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer in need. And these are Paul's words. All of us in this room, we've all gone through a tremendous change this past year, things that, if you asked us two years ago even, we never thought, That we would be collectively in the place that we're in right now, in our, in our homes, in our state, in our cities, even in our country. We've had to readjust. We've had to learn. We've had to relearn things that we've never even thought we would be, um, having to do. We had to learn how to shop differently. You know, we couldn't go out to the stores. You had to learn how to do everything on a computer or learn how to uh, stand in a line and learn patience while you're standing in that line. Learn how when you get into the store that there's not what you came for and having to adjust in that way. You had to learn how to school your children if you have school-aged children. You never dreamed, you know, that you would um, have your children sitting right beside you, some of you, and trying to homeschool them. And what a challenge that is for so many people. And not only that, but if you're working from home, you're working from home now. You don't know how to do that. It sounds great, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound, before this year, probably so many people thought... Wow, if I could just keep my pajamas on and my slippers and nobody could see my hair and then uh, I could just work from home, it would be great. Okay, well guess what? It's not that great, is it? It's challenging because you have... Disruptions. You have, um, you know, the phone ringing. You have this. You have the TV. You have Facebook. You're doing work on your laptop. And all of a sudden, you know, you get this pop-up thing that one of your friends is there and you want to go to that instead. And it's challenging to deal with that kind of a change. Fellowship. Not being able to go to church. I mean, my goodness. You know, we, we never thought that we would ha- be in that place in the United States. And that was a challenge in itself. And then I think for some of us, the challenge was, wow, this is kind of cool. I have my pajamas on. I've got the Internet. And I can see the worship team on my laptop. And, um, oh, a little Candy Crush over here or Solitaire over there. But, hey, I've got the message on. And we're not, like, fully engaged. And so when church doors opened up, it became so easy to be like, I kind of like my robe. Kind of like you know, my feet up on my couch, and and just watching you know, and listening to Pastor Rob, and and listening to the worship team, and I was doing that. I got caught up in that myself, you know, and um, until I realized I'm not worshiping, even if I'm listening to the message. I wasn't even worshiping because I just I'm not that way in my own my own couch. You know, I'm not going to stand up when everybody's standing up. And so that was a challenge that we had to go through this year. How people got married, so many people, my niece and my nephew, they had a big wedding plan, a beautiful wedding plan, you know, and they're um, my sister in law 's Chaldeans, so those weddings are really big and lively and uh, festive, and they had to just settle for getting married, you know, in a, in a, at the, her home. And it was beautiful, and the memories are great. Their love is going to last. But, um, you know, those are disappointing t- uh, challenges that they faced. Um, how we mourn. We had to learn to mourn differently. How many people that we love, that we care for, passed away in this past year, and we couldn't mourn them. And we don't know. That closure and mourning together with family, with friends, how important that is until it's taken away from us. And so those challenges that we faced, the ones that we've lost, the ones who've gotten sick, they're hard to deal with. And then on top of that, on top of a pandemic, we have what we're already used to. We're already going through things in our life. We go through changes of career. We go, you know, from a different title. I liked how Shara was talking about that. You know, you aren't who your title is. You know, if we go to college and we have all these different letters on the back of our name, that's not, uh, following our name, that's not who we are. We're daughters of Christ. Some people are a mister, or not here, but some people are a miss, or, and you change to a missus, or sadly some people are missus and they've become a miss through the, through the past year. Or you've moved to a new place. Your relationship status have changed. Your health has changed, or the health of somebody that you love has changed. Maybe you're the caregiver now. Having children. Maybe you're a first time mom, or maybe you're just say goodbye, well, I don't know if the schools are open yet or the colleges, but, you know, you're on the road to saying goodbye to your firstborn because they're moving out or moving on to college. All these different things, and that doesn't even include the physical things that we go through, and the change of life and the change of this body and what's here. And every day, like, you know, I look and I have one of those, I get like one more of those brown spots on my legs. I'm like, seriously? Or I found another thing. I'm... And just all these changes that we're faced with in our lives. And some of them, yes, some of them we've had, we've helped. You know, sometimes we make choices, and so those choices become challenges, and they create changes. But sometimes life just happens, doesn't it? We're so used to seeing in this past year, none of us would have thought this, but it just happened. And so what are we as God's daughters to do with change? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond when these things just spring upon us and we're kind of left in the dark? We don't know. But from the moment we exited the womb, right, we've been going through a change. And until we take our last breath, we're going to be going through changes. And how did we greet that change from the womb? With a scream. With a big scream. As soon as that change happened in our life, we started screaming. And everybody was like, Oh, listen to that scream. It's so welcomed and so wonderful. But now if we try it, Now a change comes, and we just all came up. I think that would be really a great break out one day. is just everybody come up to the microphone. You don't have to say your challenge. You don't have to say the season you're in. Just scream. Get it out. You know, when Denise was sharing about going in the car and, and screaming out or just shouting out, you know, the word of God back so she can listen to it. And, you know, sometimes we have to go from the scream to the shout out of God's word. And that's where he wants us to be. So always from the moment we're born, We're going to be going through changes of life. It's not something that we embrace. Even when we're going through a good change, when there's good changes in our life, we start to wonder, you know, for women, sometimes we start, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. But hey, what what if it doesn't really work out? What if this is just, you know, something that I can't deal with? Or we get nervous anytime there's changes in our lives. And so what do we do? when we find ourselves in, those, in that place? Well, we go back to what Paul said in Philippians. And he said, I learned to be content. Paul didn't say, I was content. You know, with that stern, we think mighty Paul, what a powerful man of God, and yes, he was. But Paul was Paul. Paul was human. And Paul had to learn to be content. In whatever season he was in, in his life. If he had a lot, he had to learn to be content. Because sometimes when we have a lot, we're not content because, like, oh, this is nice. I want more. And Paul also had to learn to be content when he didn't have much at all. It's not something that comes naturally to us being content. That's, that weren't content. I don't know. How are you feeling today? Very content. No, it's not part of our vocabulary. It's not something that we talk about often. We say happy or sad or, eh, I'm doing okay. And Paul had to learn to be content. And if Paul had to learn to be content, God wants us to learn how to be content. And it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that he wants us to learn it because that means he doesn't expect us To just have it naturally. We learn it. And sometimes if you're like me, you learn by making mistakes. You learn by not getting it right the first few hundred times. You have to keep learning again and again and again. And like Paul, we have his word. We have the word of God and we always go back to the word of God. That's where we find the answers to the questions that we have. And we find wonderful examples. I love that the Holy Spirit didn't inspire the word of God to just tell the victories. He told the defeats. He told the challenges. He told the mistakes that these people made. Because they're human. He told the story about Abraham calling, being called to leave his relatives and make a big change and move to a foreign country where he didn't know anybody. But we also saw in the story of Abraham and Sarah, they didn't always get it right. They didn't always respond to the change that God had called them to. And just because we say yes to the call of God in our lives, whatever he's calling us to, doesn't mean that there aren't going to be challenges in it. There's always going to be a challenge that we face, and yet the answer is always going to be the same, going back to the Lord. And Abraham and Sarah learned to obey God at all costs, no matter what the change. And Abraham was called a friend of God. And Job, we see that Job's life changed tremendously. He was a very honorable man, a man who followed the Lord, a man who raised his family, a man who had livestock. He had good health. And all of a sudden, He had a huge challenge, a drastic change come to his life. And everything was taken away from him, little by little by little. It was all taken away. And Job asked the Lord, why? I love the book of Job in the sense that it's okay to question. It's okay to cry out to God and ask him, why am I facing this challenge? All I tried to do, like Job, was to follow after you, was to be obedient to what you've called me to, and you let this happen? Why, God, why are you challenging me? And like Job, we find ourselves sometimes asking during those challenges, what did I do wrong? Why do we do that? I don't know. We always seem to think that it's something that we've done wrong. And Job, the book of Job shows us that drastic changes can happen on our lives, just like they did in his, but it's not because we've done something wrong. It's because God has allowed it for his purpose. And at the end, Job was able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I will one day see him face to face. And are we going to be able to say that? even in the seasons of change that we go through, no matter how difficult they may be, that we know that our Redeemer lives, and one day we will see him face to face. And then we see Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see her experience great change in her life. Can you imagine, those of you who have planned a wedding, And you're so excited from the moment he gets on the knee and he asks you to marry him. And you start, what's the first thing you do? You you say, okay, great, yes, 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 I love him, let me put it on Facebook. And then you run to your girlfriend's, you run to your mom, and you start planning. You open up the books. They didn't have books back in Mary's time, but I'm sure she was so excited to be engaged to Joseph. And she had all these plans, and then... One day, just as Sarah was saying, the angel Gabriel came to her. And here, instead of planning for a beautiful wedding, she finds out that she is going to be carrying Jesus. And what a change that was, a miraculous change in her life. And she went from asking, how can this be? To behold the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And that is the common thread. As we would go through when we're facing different seasons in our life, whether they're good, whether they're in between, or whether they're really, really challenging, is to go to the word of God. Because these are just three examples. And there's so many examples in his word of people have gone through ups and downs. They've gone through this season. Life would be boring if it was always winter, right? Right? Although I have to say after living in Europe for 19 years, when I got back to California and it's October, I was like, I want a scarf. Marla, where can I find a scarf? I need to wear a scarf. Nobody in here wears a scarf. You know, or I wanted to put on my down coat again and experience the snow just from afar, just for a day. But you know how boring if you could, you know, it is to have one season. In our life, in every single season, just like in Earth, we need winter, we need fall, we need spring, we need summer because there's different things growing in those different seasons. Different seasons create flowers, different seasons create the produce that we eat. We need everything. In earth, and we also need it in our own lives because during those different seasons in life, God is changing us. He's changing us from the inside. He's trying to draw us closer to Him to be molded. I love that picture of the long, of the Tootsie Roll, you know, and and there's that hard part on on the outside, and then you get to that whatever that thing is inside, but. It's moldable and shapeable, and that's what God wants to do in each of our lives as he challenges us through the seasons of change that he allows us to go through. Until we breathe our last breath on this earth, we're going to go through different seasons of change. We're not going to stay wherever you are today. You're not going to be the same person next month. You're not going to have the same challenge or the same victories even. Sometimes we're in a season of victory. Everything seems to be going right, and that's great. And cherish it and praise the Lord for it. But then we need to be prepared for those times that it's different. We need the warmth of the summer and the sun. And then by August, you know, we're usually so hot that it's like, please bring on the fall. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3.1 reminds us that to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And again, we're reminded of all the different seasons that we need in life to mold us and to shape us into the image of Christ. Through each season, no matter what we go through in our life, we can be assured, as Hebrews thirteen eight says, that God, our God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what we're going through, no matter who our friends, our friends might change, our jobs might change, our careers might change, our perspectives might change. God never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's not always going to be easy. Change is not always something that is easy to go through, but it is a learning process, like Paul said. We have to be willing to to learn. We have to, when we learn, we have to be willing to yield to somebody greater than we are. We have to be willing to surrender to the teacher and to listen to who the teacher is. And that teacher is the Holy Spirit. That That teacher is the Word of God. And that's how we're going to grow. And that's how we're going to learn, like Paul, to be content in no matter what we're going through. Each of the people that I mentioned before, their focus was on Christ. Yes, maybe for a period their focus was on the questions and why and why not. But eventually their focus became Christ and not looking at their circumstance, not looking just at the change, but to look at Jesus. And that is what we want to do too. We want to look at Jesus in everything, wherever the Lord has us. Whatever season the Lord has us in, he wants us to remember, Philippians 4.1, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. So my encouragement for you is that we embrace our Savior. We embrace our season, and as we do, like Paul, we can learn to be content in whatever season God has called us in. Amen. So we're going to have... Um, the gals come up now for question and answer time, and so we're just gonna um, briefly go down the panel, and they can introduce themselves to you.
1: Hi, I'm Jeanette uh, Jeanette Perini, also known as Mama J. Uh, for those who are of the younger generation, anyway, <laughs> and. Um, I'm a member of this church and love it. I'm a child of God. I've been a widow twice. I have three sons. And I came to California 17 years ago from Long Island where I lived my entire life. I'm a New Yorker in every sense, ladies. And I um, came out here when my granddaughter was two because I couldn't be away from her. (laughs)
2: Oh, you've got me. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Stacy Henschel. I think I'm up here to fill the mom seat. I have two daughters, five and eight, and, and I also work from home, so I'm a working mom, and I homeschool my girls. That's why I'm up here.
3: <laughs> Hi, I'm. Is this one? Just in said
0: anything against me. Hi,
3: I'm Marla Stewart. That's my mom. Um, (laughs) um, I have been through a lot of changes. I grew up partially on the mission field and then I came back and then I went back to Europe and now I'm back and I've had quite a few jobs and just a lot of, a lot of changes. (laughs) Hi, I'm Terry Abramovic. I
4: have a husband that I've been married to for or been with for 37 years. We don't have any children, but I do have two stepdaughters and three um, granddaughters. When I was asked to do this on the panel here, I got the phone call. I listened, and the first thing in my mind was, "No way! <laughs> no way!" And the more the person was talking to me on this phone call, I kept thinking, I don't think so. I don't think so. But how am I going to tell this person that I love dearly that I'm not going to go up there? So all I could hear was me saying no. And at the end, all I could hear her say was pray about it. So what did I do? Not I'm not going to do it. I said, okay. (laughs) As I got off the phone, my heart was pounding. My shoulders were up to my earlobes, and they were kissing. My stomach, I don't know what was going on with my stomach, but my mind kept thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So I went and I prayed. I sat down on the floor said to the Lord, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Lord, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this. I hate to be in front of people. I hate talking in front of people. I can't. And I stopped. And I said, I can't, but you can. And at that moment, shoulders went down. Heart stopped pounding. Stomach was still kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on here. But when I thought about it, I thought, You're right, Lord, I can't. But with your power and the power that you have given me, the power that you have bestowed upon me, I can get up here. I could talk about you
5: all day. Okay, so yes. we're going to talk about him all day, right, Terry?
4: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and that was it.
5: Yes, and we're thankful that you were brave enough to get up there. So, okay, but I am going to keep us keep us going here. So,
0: so if anybody has any questions, we don't want you to be shy. We're, we're going to try and keep them brief, um, but please ask. Qu- raise your hand
5: and and.
4: I'm trying to answer. Yeah, Leslie. I have one. in Oh, okay. in these different seasons of change that you've all gone through, what do you find is the greatest blessing in the changes?
3: Um, so I actually just recently had this conversation cause growing up on the mission field, that was a huge change and it came with a lot of things. Um, but I think just the experiences that you can have in different seasons are so different. Um, and being able to have conversations now with people and realizing that if I didn't go through the things that I went through, like I wouldn't be able to have that experience to draw from and to share with other people.
1: I agree. Um, When you go through different changes in your life and different seasons, that um, equips you then to um, speak to other sisters uh, who might be going through a similar situation. And in turn, when they go through something, then they can help you. That's what fellowship is all about.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love seeing the person that God's developing me into. Is it's completely different from the person that I was set out to be. <laughs> and it's completely different from, from the track that I had myself on. And if, if, we, if we submit to his will and what he wants to do in your life, it's just, it's incredible what he can do. And I just, I love this person more than the person that I, would, that I wanted, thought I wanted to be. So it's a huge blessing. Being a mom is a huge blessing. And I can tell you it's not necessarily something I had seen in my cards. I was very content in my career and working, um, and I was fine with not having kids. But, you know, that decision comes up, and you have to choose. And my husband didn't really give me too much of an option. (laughs) So, (laughs) And rightly so. He's an amazing dad, and he deserved to be a dad. But anyway, suffice to say, I... I wouldn't change it for the world. And now I'd give up my career in a heartbeat (laughs) to be at home with my girls.
5: Don't you agree that what Stacey said is so key, that it's that surrender, right, coming to that point and change that we are surrendered and yielded, yeah.
2: Someone else?
6: There's four different personalities sitting up there. So would you talk about the first thing... that usually comes up when you do have a change that you may struggle with? Well, with me, I think it was
4: anger. And I felt God had let me down. Um, With me, last year, I kind of had a job week when everything just kind of fell apart on me. It was really bad. But I knew that the Lord was still in charge. He was going to cover it. He was going to take care of it. He was going to protect me and guard my heart from all the elements that were causing so much pain and so much heartache. And I cannot thank him for the grace and mercy that he poured upon me during that time because Without him, and I don't know how anybody could have gone what through what I went through, could have done it without the Lord, because I would have been on the floor. I would have been in the closet, rolled up in a ball, and you would have never seen me again. But because of his grace and mercy, he allowed me to accept what happened and to accept his love. And I thank him for that.
2: I think it's like the five stages of grief, in a sense. You know, what is it? Anger, uh, depression, acceptance, and then you're willing to fight back, you know, finally, after all that. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely there with Jeanette. Anger first. I get super angry. And then I get really depressed, and I say, I'm, I'm, I just quit. And then finally, after, you know, God has to strip you down. He's got to bring you to the very, very bottom of yourself, and then, then we can finally see, okay, Lord, I can't do it on my own. This change, whatever it is that you're bringing into my life, I I have to depend on you. I have to depend on other people. And then we can finally accept that and start to fight and change and really become what he is wanting us to be
3: um i tend to avoid <laughs> so i usually just make jokes and then like a week later i have to actually deal with the feelings that i'm feeling um yeah and i've definitely learned to just have those quiet moments and realize it's okay to like feel the things um <laughs> so yeah uh,
4: my basic response is oh lord now what And then from there, it's to the prayer closet or to my knees or wherever because I don't have the answer. I just don't have the answer. So I'm not going to break out in anger. I'm not going to cry. I'm just going to go, okay, Lord, what's
6: next? Hi. Uh, Other than prayer, how, and if you're aware of all the curriculum changes that are going on right now for our society, Other than prayer,
2: how do you think you're going to be handling for the little ones in your life everything that they're about to be exposed to? That's a really good question. My first response is, you homeschool them. (laughs) Uh, This world is gnarly, and the things that that our kids are getting faced with, even in preschool these days, is insane. Um, So... I mean, I am a, I'm a huge advocate of homeschooling. It is not for everybody for sure. But there are so many options out there as well. You know, there's charters. There's things that just, the parents just need to be very, very involved and be open, have those open conversations with your kids and don't, don't be shy. I mean, obviously we need to have age appropriate conversations with them. Can't talk to my five-year-old about what a transgender is. You know, I can not, like, I kind of get into it with my, my eight-year-old a little bit just because when we go to a bathroom and they're like, Mom, why is that boy in this, in this girl's bathroom? You know, and, well, because he probably feels like a girl. And in our society, that's what they tell them they can do. But what does the Bible tell us? You know, it's just bringing it back to God's Word all the time reinforcing God's word in their life every single day so that they have that strong foundation but it's, it's a gnarly world out there let's, get, let's all get moms get in a community uh, get our kids together and, and let them grow up and be lifelong friends and raise up children of God that are bold for Jesus in this world because it is crazy
4: I don't have anything to say I have no children <laughs>
0: Well, when Marla was a teenager, I would just tell her what? <laughs> pray about it. I was
3: a teenager and I forget.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that wonderful change of teenage life. And I would always turn it back on her, even in college, oh. I think.
3: Yes, everything was pray about Did you pray about it? I want to get my nose pierced. Did you pray about it? <laughs>
0: And that's that's a good way for moms, you know, when your children are old enough and they want to do something because all their friends are doing it, and you can just say, well, you know what, honey, um, I trust you to pray. And you pray about it and see what the Lord shows you. And if he tells you, okay, then who am I to disobey him? Well, hopefully that works. It did in this case. I can't guarantee it, but... <laughs>
3: I was gonna say I got no. I got my nose pierced.
0: Um. <laughs> it's because God way, told you way yes. Way
1: after.
3: He was okay with it.
1: And I think it's never too uh, young to turn them to the Word of God, too. Right. Um, uh, we have a wonderful children's ministry here, so even if you work and your kids have to go to public school, bring them on Sunday and bring them mm-hmm. to every event that the children's ministry has, because mm-hmm. that will. Um, give you insight as to how to teach your children at home the biblical truths.
3: I have a question for the lady on the far right. Um, You say you're not a mom, but you raise your husband's kids, correct?
4: No, I didn't raise them. They were raised um, um, with my husband's um, former wife, and they're on the East Coast. So I was not involved in their life at all. And oh. still am not.
3: Oh, okay. Then I can ask you the question.
6: <laughs> well, okay. well, maybe you can ask the question, you might. by the way.
3: Well, I was just wondering if you consider yourself a mom or not. When you raise somebody kids, mm-hmm. they come into your family. You don't consider yourself a mother? Yes.
4: I never was given that opportunity to have them come into my
0: house. I oh, have okay. two stepdaughters, and... Um, I've known them since they were like six and seven years old. So even though they were raised by their their mom, they were with my husband and myself quite often. And um, I don't consider them my stepchildren. I, I always tell people I have three children. And whatever influence I have, I've never tried to take the place of their mom. But I've tried to instill when they were younger, whatever I could, and and just love them, never talk poorly about um, their mother or talk about the situation between their mother and their father, but um, just raise them uh, when you can, when they're in, in your presence, treat them like like uh, they're your own, even if they don't respond to you in the same way, and that's difficult, but you just love them and, and pray for them and pray for them. and. And I have a wonderful relationship with um, with the girls
5: now. Well, thank you. Someone else. Here we go.
6: Yeah, I like that you said that. Um, you know what we go through equips us for um, being used by the Lord as some type of um, ministry or um, tool or. Um, so if you have, um, can you remember, any circumstances where a certain change has brought you to that place where you were able to minister, could you share that? Because um, I've been through a lot and I knew that the Lord was going to use it in some way. And I met the woman at lunch today that he wants me to, you know, to help. So um, I'd be encouraged by your stories. Um, yeah,
3: I mean... As hard as the mission field life is, I wouldn't be who I who I am today and be, have the, I don't think I would have the same gifts um, because we were in a situation where those gifts were so strongly nurtured um, and I don't think that would have happened um, and so it's been amazing to see as I get older kind of how God uses that and then being able to minister and talk to other people who are either... On the mission field, or considering going onto the mission field um, and be able to speak to them a, kind of about what that situation is going to look like or how God might use that. So,
5: panel, want to say anything about that?
1: I didn't quite hear the whole question.
6: I'm sorry. I just wanted to hear particular stories about um, how the Lord used something that you have gone through to to um, bless somebody else. Sorry. Change. Change. Right. <clears throat> the town. And how he used it in someone else's life.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, I can say that um, I've been a widow twice and I was involved in, um, in a small amount in grief share and we had a widows group here but it kind of dwindled away but if anybody's a widow and wants to start it up again you're the leader. I'll <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> follow. But... Um, I, I don't, uh, you know, want to name names, but I think that uh, my experiences and what I went through uh, was an encouragement uh, to, to other women in how, how I handled it. With my first um, husband, I was left with three young sons, so I had to bring them up on my own. And I had a vicious stepfather, so I wouldn't even date because I didn't want my boys to have anything to do with a stepfather. So when my son was a senior in college, I was introduced to this gentleman. And we did um, end up getting married, and he was the joy of my life, and he was devoted to me. And then after eight years of being married to him, I uh, lost him also. But but he brought me out to California. (laughs) And that's where I am now, and I love it, and I I love being here, I love learning, and I love teaching.
0: I think, if I can say, too, that, um, you know, I've always considered myself to be pretty tough, um, an East Coast girl, (laughs) and uh, you never let your emotions show. And, um, you know, just the last year alone, I mean, being on the mission field softened me a lot, and but this past year um and then being alone made me more compassionate because i always thought i was a good listener i can do this i you know help people but i really lacked in compassion and really um feeling what other people are feeling and listening to people and not expecting them to be like well just open your bible and read it and get over it you know and just just being willing to be a listener and just we always say, talk about being the shoulder that people can cry on and I think we lack that I think we lack um, letting people cry on our shoulder and so that's what the Lord um, taught me through a hard time is letting people cry <laughs> not in self pity but sometimes we need a good cry
1: <laughs> I know I think in this country especially years back we were always told to um, lift up our bootstraps and keep on going. Yep. That's an and, East Coast. <laughs> you know, it, well, maybe it's an East Coast, so you guys don't know about it. But whatever, whatever. You know, what can I say? Yeah? Uh, you know, but anyway, um, uh, that's not what you should do. You should right. turn to the Lord. You should right. turn to other sisters. You should turn to your church. You should turn to those who uh, want to encourage you. And there are people out there. And I think we have to make ourselves better known mm-hmm. so that, you know, not me, I don't mean me, but all of us need to, to be able to share our story so that people can realize, hey, I'm not alone.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a question for Marla, because you've gone through many different jobs, right? And I know a lot of women can... can go down that path where it's like, you know, you might be set, you've, you've been, went to school for one thing and then what, so that change, how, be honest, like how have you navigated that and where are you at your life right now? So it's really funny. I
3: struggle with contentment a lot. Um, So God thought it'd be funny to show me another job option. Two days ago, um, after <laughs> after uh-huh, yeah after just starting a job um, in December after being unemployed for over a year so he was like mm, but what about this and I was like I think I'm okay I so I texted Megan and I was like this is funny right she's like well <laughs> um, yeah I've been unemployed I've been employed um, I have had a lot of jobs and I think realizing for me what's really important is. My job is not who I am. Um, as and I think culturally, especially millennial millennials and younger, like so much of our identity is in what. Like people ask all, oh, what do you do? Um, how are you? And what do you do? And so realizing that when what you do isn't what you wanted to do, um, and it doesn't fulfill you really in that way, that's okay and finding other outlets. Um, being able to be involved in women's ministry is so fulfilling for me because what I do, it's nice and I love it and it's working for me, but it, it doesn't feed my passions. So find those places in your life where you can feed those passions. And yes, it might be exhausting because you'll be working 40 hours and then spending extra time on those passions, but at the end of the day, it's honestly so worth it.
0: Anybody else? We have about six minutes. Five minutes. How much time
5: do we have? Five minutes? Okay, we're doing good.
6: Mm-hmm. So I, I think we all, you know, obviously all go through seasons of change. It's not always tragic. Sometimes it's eight or eight, we age out of seasons, things happen to us. <laughs> Dating myself. Can you tell while I'm in this workshop? Help! No. Anyways, I would love to hear each of you share about what does contentment in the Lord look like versus what the world says contentment is.
1: Well, I may have snow on the roof, but I still got a fire in my heart for Jesus. And I'm going to be working for him through the rest of my life. So I've been through many changes. I'm 75 now, so I'm getting on. And when I tell my kids, you can have this when I go, and you can have that, and they're like, you're not going anywhere. But, um, uh, yes, it's, uh, what was the question again?
5: <laughs> so the question is, what is the difference between contentment and the Lord compared to what the, the world says contentment is? Stay with us, Jeanette. <laughs> Someone help her out.
1: <laughs>
4: well, I've just come to the realization, um, I'm going to say ages, I'm 67, and so I look at the world in a totally different way than I ever have looked at the world before, and I realize that, as Pastor Rob has told us in the past, it's not our home. We're just passing through. So when I think of that, it puts back in my heart the joy knowing where my home is going to be. And that this place, even though it's beautiful and it can be so lovely at times, it's not my home. And when I get home, I'm going to know it.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And the
4: longer you stay here, the bigger your mansion.
1: That's what my 96-year-old stepmom says.
2: And I would just be happy with a broom closet. So for me, the world was telling me, Stacey, you're the valedictorian in high school. you got to go to college. You have to get your degree. You're going to go on to be in some kind of management role in your career you're going to make a name for yourself you know these are all very selfish things selfish motives no wonder i was focused on myself and I, I i didn't want to add children into that mix but that's not what god's plan is for us and you know the the world wants us to to be focused on ourselves it wants us to to fulfill those those lusts that that we that we bring on, you know, and, um, I have an amazing community around me and I, I I just have to admit, I I went to a very liberal college. I kind of fell into the, the feminist trap a little bit. I am woman, hear me roar. Nobody get in my way. I'm coming, you know, and my husband's amazing. Um, but he had to put up with me for so many years with me just being like that. And, (laughs) you know, Even when we had our first, our first daughter, I still, he still didn't break me then. You know, I was still working full time and she was in daycare, which was very difficult for me to do because I knew that wasn't right for us as a family. I knew that that's not what God wanted, but I was so adamant about maintaining my status as a woman and as a feminist that, that, you know, I wanted my career. And she was, she, we, she went to daycare every day. Um, and it wasn't until my second one came around that we were finally like, okay, I'm, you're going to stay home. And, and that transition to staying home was very difficult for me as well. I, I seriously fell into depression for a little bit. I didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> it sounds terrible. Um, and you know, I told my husband, if I'm going to stay home, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have my own company and I'm going to work from home. And, uh, it's just all these, all these things that we tell ourselves, well, well, this is what I want. And this is, this is the track I'm on and it's the world's way of thinking. Right. And it wasn't until last summer I got really, really sick. Like I was in bed for a week. I had 104 fever. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, I literally couldn't even eat. I I couldn't depend on anyone. I, I couldn't depend on myself at all. And for, for me, that was the breaking point. I, I just couldn't, I, I, God brought me down to the very bottom of myself. And it was in that moment, I was so weak, but I felt his grace like I'd never felt it before. And as strange as it sounds, I loved that feeling, even though I was so sick in bed and I could, I couldn't eat, I couldn't barely drink my, my husband pretty much had to pick me up and carry me to the hospital you know that grace that I felt it, it, was, it was totally worth it because now I have that and I know what, what, it, what the difference between the world's perspective and God's perspective and how much he can change your heart and change your life and now if I could give anything up I'd totally give up my job <laughs>
5: That's, that's so good. And again, it's that, that reality of contentment in the Lord is really when we have all of Jesus, right? When it's all we, all we, it's everything we need when we get to that point where we understand it's everything we need. How are we doing? Yeah,
0: I think it's supposed to end.
5: Uh, wow, we did good.
0: One thirty-five.
5: Yep, so Margie, I'll let you yeah, say a closing thought. And, bear,
0: and then... Um, does the next session start at one thirty-five, or they can go to the rest? Oh, okay, well, let's just pray real quick, okay? And then give you time. Lord, um, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you're glorious, Lord, and that you're our helper. Lord, you're our teacher. We thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans, but you've given us your spirit to guide us and to teach us in all things and that your spirit is faithful to bring to our remembrance everything when we need it, Lord. Your spirit reminds us of the things that you've said. And I pray now, Lord, that we just go forth in joy and in peace, Lord, and that you would continue to do the work that you started this morning throughout the rest of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.